What are the fastest growing churches in America? And what are they doing to grow? This week, we talked to editor of Outreach Magazine, Jim Long, about their newest issue on the fastest growing churches in America. It's all on episode 25 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, Andrew Hess. Well, thanks for tuning in to episode 25 of the Church Leaders Podcast. This week, I'm here with executive editor of churchleaders.com, Brian Orm. And Brian, you've had the opportunity to work with the Outreach 100 issue of the Outreach Magazine in the past. Uh, why do you think that this issue is so important for ministry leaders? Yeah. Hey, Andrew, it's great to be here and to talk about this issue. And I look forward to our conversation with Jim coming up as well, too. But I think this issue of the magazine, it's our marquee issue, but it's so critical because the research that's being done behind this issue is, I think it stands alone. And for someone, a pastor in ministry to pick this issue up, they're going to get a broad sweeping narrative of what God is doing in the church today. And they're going to find great stories of life transformation, stories of how churches um, tried something unique that worked, that God kind of breathed into it. And and the issue is really about life change, about people coming to know Jesus. So I, I know it's easy to get kind of caught up and the metrics and the numbers. But what we've really tried to push through the years is that the numbers represent stories. And we want to tell these stories so that more and more churches are passionate about outreach. Yeah, I thought it was a great conversation and, and helpful to pastors both of churches, both large and small. Insights uh, for every pastor, regardless of the context. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, roll that conversation that we had with Jim Long. Well, Jim, Brian, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you on the Church Leaders Podcast to talk about the Outreach 100 Fastest Growing Churches edition. Jim, tell us about, um, kind of give us a little history of the Outreach 100. Uh, how did this start and uh, how did you guys put it together this year? Well, very early in the history of the magazine, we identified a, uh, a need and an interest in the church to take a closer look at the churches that are largest and fastest growing influential churches. We've, we also uh, spent some time looking into churches that seem to be more innovative and, and kind of setting the pace. So very early in the magazine's history, about 13 years ago, we started doing this. Now it's evolved a little bit over the years, and the, the emphasis that we're placing now is on trying to identify the fastest growing churches in America and what are the factors that are making those churches thrive? That's awesome. Hey, Jim, what kind of um, stats and format do you guys put those together just to dig a little deeper so people will know kind of the data method behind uh, the magazine and behind the numbers? For uh, quite a while now, we've been working with LifeWay Research, uh, Ed Stetzer and his team, uh, as our research partners. So each year we contact about, well, over 70,000 churches and invite them to participate in a self-reported study. So what they're doing then is they're looking at their average attendance for February and March, excluding Easter, and the, that's compared with the averages for the, the previous year. We, through LifeWay Research, then we double-check those figures, confirm them with the church, and then we take an average of numerical growth and percentage growth to determine the, you know, the ultimate rankings. I, th I think it's kind of interesting this year, for instance, uh, if you just total up the fastest growing churches and look at their attendance this year compared to their attendance last year, they report 73,715 people added to the church. 
if you average the percentage growth of those fastest growing churches, you come up with a, a rather surprising figure of 24% growth. And that's because there are a few churches on the list that have just had phenomenal off-the-charts growth, which kind of skews that percentage number. But it's a remarkable thing, because you can look at 73,715 and say, well, who are these people? And, you know, your inner cynic may say, well, those are people who move from one church to another. You know, it's just transfer growth. And that does account for a certain amount of it. But these are churches, by and large, that are really focused externally. They're churches that are looking for ways to engage the community, to elevate what's happening in, uh, you know, various types of, of ministry to, uh, you know, to the poor, various uh, outreach ministries, as well as evangelistic ministries. So if you take these 100 churches as just a sample and, and look at it and say, well, now, how much of this is transfer growth? How much of it is just really solid adding new people to the kingdom? I think that there's some surprising things. So one of the things we've tried to do is look at it and say, well, we don't just want this to be a celebration of numbers. We, we want to help readers understand and churches really grasp the idea that the numbers are important because every one of those numbers represents a person, a, a person with a story, a person who's on the receiving end of the love of God. And that's why it's been a really exciting process to follow up beyond just gathering data and stats and start interviewing these churches, doing profiles. Why is the church growing? What are some of the unusual ministries that are happening here? And that's really the heart and the passion that drives the project. And that's good because I, there has been, I know, some criticism in the past, like is this breeding comparison or you know pushing pastors to be prideful about their growth and their numbers? And so as, as people have kind of come to you and said, you know, brought that criticism, how have you responded to them? Well, first of all, the this particular study exists because we're trying to make a contribution to the church as a whole. Mm-hmm. We understand at the same time, it may not make sense for everybody. So we're not sneaking around, peeking through windows and counting heads. <laughs> we're inviting people to participate in a study if it's something that they feel is beneficial to them and to the broader church. That's why if you look at the list, you may go, wait a minute, there's such and such a church I don't see on that list. And I know, well, it's because it's a self-reported survey. And so this is really a representation of the church as those people, you know, the church leaders see it. We try to, you know, confirm the numbers as much as we can and, and so forth. But it's a vo- very much a voluntary thing. And we understand there are some churches that for one reason or another, it may not make sense. And if doing some survey and trying to coerce somebody's involvement in it uh, contributes to prideful feelings on their part, that's not really something that we're interested in encouraging. On the other hand, you go to Scripture and you see uh, some really key moments in the ministry of Christ or throughout the Old Testament where you're conscious somebody was counting heads. So there's a value to the numbers, especially if we're looking beyond that and looking at the stories they represent, and then looking for trends. What are the transferable concepts? What's working in one city that might work in another city? Yeah, I love that. And Jim, I've always appreciated the passion that Outreach Magazine has had specifically for promoting the stories and making it about what God is doing and less about, like you said, the comparison. And the data that's received, I think it's a really helpful collection 
of what God is doing and has done in the past through history within the American church. So I think there's a ton of value to it. And I've been at conferences as well, too, where I've seen people hold up the Outreach 100 list and kind of use it as kind of a launching pad to talk about how we shouldn't count or even to talk about it in a valuable way. So I know it's had some controversy, but I think as you explain it, too, and we've talked about it in the past a lot, too, that there's a lot of value for these stories. And and so the stories or the numbers are a launching pad. And I love that about Outreach Magazine, for sure. Yeah, and I think that as we as we look at the numbers, we can try and isolate trends, you know, see things that are happening. For instance, in this special issue, the Outreach 100 American Megachurch Annual, uh, there's an article in there, just a brief two-page piece by Warren Bird at uh, Leadership Network, and he's answering the question, is the era of the megachurch over? Because we, we hear that sometimes, and we, you know, kind of carry around certain assumptions about what's happening with large churches. Read that article and you find that his conclusion is the numbers say, well, no. But, you know, there are a lot of things that we gather as we begin to build a profile of the American evangelical church, particularly the outreach-oriented churches in the country, that without having some sense of where we've been and where we're going, it becomes a little more difficult to draw valid conclusions, to look at trends and so forth. And I think that's one of the really positive things that has come out of this project, so that it doesn't just become, oh, well, here's a sheet, uh, what are your bragging rights, here are mine, but instead it, we begin to see certain trends. For instance, an emerging trend that uh, Ed Stetzer points out in his introductory piece uh, to their research is uh, gigachurches, so-called churches of 10,000 and more, that are becoming more consciously multicultural. And the question he asks is, well, you know, how does that happen? It's not something that, that just naturally happens. It requires a degree of intentionality. And yet when it does happen, when a church becomes truly reflective of its community, that's not just making it more effective in reaching certain people that, you know, are pulled into the gravitational pull of what God's doing at that church. But it's also a witness to the broader community that the kingdom of God is not just about a particular group of people who share certain um, demographic characteristics. But yeah. the kingdom of God is is much more broad and uh, comprehensive than that. And I think it's quite interesting, The this year the number one fastest growing churches is one of those churches that... Uh, made a conscious decision, we're going to do what it takes to be more effective in reaching all segments of our community. Yeah, I love that. And just real briefly, can you share with us the number one fastest growing church? Number one fastest growing church is Crossroads, where Brian Tome is pastor in uh, Cincinnati. And um, it's interesting, if you just take a a closer look at that church, here's a church, uh, their attendance Average for this year is 22,738. A year ago, 17,064. So here's a church that grew by 5,674 over the previous year. That's 33% growth. This is a, a church that's been around since 95. And, you know, we hear sometimes about churches or organizations or companies having kind of natural life cycles, and we we hear about the importance of kind of reinventing yourself. Uh, Churches do this too, right? I mean, they periodically sit down and say, well, now, why are we here? What are we doing? How could we more effectively reach our community? And it's really heartening 
to see that kind of thing uh, happen. And something else that I noticed in the, uh, the interviews and the profiles that we did with that church, we also, by the way, sent a mystery visitor. This is a regular column in the magazine where a, an unchurched person pays a visit to a church and, you know, kind of records their reaction to that experience. It was so interesting to me to see it was just an off-the-charts positive response. And here's why. One of the things they've said is that we seek to strip away religion and rules and give people relevant truths to their lives, and we have a lot of fun while we're doing it. And it's interesting. I've gone through, if you, if you compare the fastest-growing church list with the largest list, you know, and look at the overlap, you're still looking at 167 distinct churches. I've read through the, uh, in the past few weeks, uh, all of those websites, you know, their About Us section where they're describing themselves. We've done uh, interviews and profiles with about 30 of them, plus some of them that we've interviewed in the past, uh, done a profile of in the past few years. And I was kind of looking, what are some of the commonalities in the way some of these churches are describing themselves? And this sense of, I want us as a church to strip away every obstacle, all the preconceived notions of what it means to be Christian or to be religious. Let's get back to the, a, a pure presentation of the gospel relevant to this culture. And when that happens, it's, I suppose it's not surprising that it becomes a, a place that, that maybe is a bit more winsome or uh, has at least raises a curiosity, you know, in the watching community, because all of a sudden you can't just say, well, Christians, I know what Christians are. Uh, I, I pick that up on the news. I know how they think and what they feel, and, and I wouldn't fit in there. But I'm surprised a number of churches, and you can tell some of them, by the way, have been to the same seminars because they use some, some of the same terminology. You know, we'll do everything short of sin, uh, you know, to uh, reach people outside the church. You have to appreciate that passion that animates a good number of these churches. Yeah. Now that's a huge takeaway, I think. And I see it in the leadership movement too. There's a vulnerability movement going on, an authentic movement yes. that's happening. And uh, it's it's really fascinating to see that sliding into church growth and the churches that are experiencing that kind of forward moment, momentum too. So fantastic stuff. Um, it, one quick question. I know Andrew's got another one coming up too is but let me ask this, as a small church, like many of our listeners and many of our readers, you may come from small churches. What is the advantage for a small church pastor to pick up the Outreach 100 issue? Great question. And let me respond in two ways. First of all, uh, at Outreach Magazine, we're really cognizant of the amazing things God is doing in smaller congregations. And that's why several years ago to in a sense, sort of counterbalance the Outreach 100 megachurch issue, we started doing the Small Church America issue, and we that runs in uh, July-August. And it, it's an exciting thing to realize that there are remarkably innovative ministries happening in smaller congregations that there's a certain mojo, you know, to that small, more intimate gathering that larger churches are trying to recapture. The emergence of, you know, smaller groups and really building ministry around it is partly in response to that concern of that sort of sense of lost intimacy and in how a larger gathering can become impersonal. But specifically to your question, 
I think that it's interesting that if I am a megachurch pastor and I pick up the small church America issue and I don't come away with a lot of ideas and transferable concepts and innovations coming out of small church America, I've probably not read it very carefully. And conversely, there are a number of things emerging trends in larger congregations that filter down to smaller churches. And and I think that a lot of people, a lot of our readership, which, you know, the majority of whom are in smaller churches, uh, a lot of them pick up this issue and really kind of make a study of it because they realize that certain trends, uh, larger churches are kind of on the forefront of, but are more broadly adapted over time in the church. Example, um, video venues. Isn't it interesting that there are a lot of small churches now that are merging with other churches because of the whole concept of you know satellite campuses and, and so forth? So a smaller church may be in a community and they're, they're even limited in their growth just by the population. A number of those churches are now either partnering with churches in other communities or there has been a, a merger or a, a church may be dying in, in one community and another uh, church comes alongside and helps breathe new life in, into that. So, you know, that's, that's one um, transferable concept that, that you, you, know, you see developed in larger churches and expressed also in smaller churches across the country, some of them quite small, and yet they're experiencing um, remarkable growth for the size of their community. And it does seem that um, you know, even the larger churches are doing these things that you've mentioned to keep, make sure that people are in smaller communities. That's right. So even in the midst of a, a large church, you have, you know, the microsites or online, different ways that people are, are staying connected to a smaller community. And I think Willow Creek was the one that you know, kind of spearheaded that, where it's like, we can't let people get lost in the crowd. And so talk about how some of these larger churches are, are doing that to make sure that people still have small communities, even in the midst of a large church. Well, and it, it differs, of course, from church to church. For a number of years, my wife and I were part of North Coast Church uh, out in uh, the San Diego area. It's interesting because it's been somewhat influential on the issue of small groups um, with hovering around 90% of regular church uh, adult attendees involved in a small group. And in that case, it started with a realization we can maybe get people coming to one service, you know, one hour a week, so to speak, maybe a second hour. If we can only get people twice a week, what's that second thing we want them involved in? Now, volleyball's fine and softball and a lot of other, you know, target type uh, activities and ministries, those are fine, but if you're really going to throw the church's resources behind that one other hour you think you can, you can get people, that staff sat down and said, well, we want that to be in smaller groups, accountability groups. They also kind of had the question at one point, do we want to be the church everyone wants to go to, or do we want to be the church no one wants to leave? It's a very different way of, of thinking about the proposition of growth. So, you know, all this talk about closing the back door and, you know, nailing the windows shut or whatever. And, <laughs> boarding it up. Yeah, boarding it up. Uh, you know, in, in their case, they realized that the preaching can be good, the music can be great, 
But that's not really what hooks people in, gets them involved, makes them feel a sense of ownership, um, sharing the vision and the passion of the church. Um, that happens in the context of, of community, and community is rather difficult uh, to, to make happen in you know, multiples of, of 1,000. It can very effectively happen in living room groups. So a lot of churches, I think, have you know, kind of adapted uh, that principle of the priority of where we put our resources and, and our time. And it's been a remarkable uh, thing to observe, just how much stronger that emphasis is, and the awareness that it's not enough. There's nothing wrong with being an attractional church, but it's not enough just to attract people. We all have the question of, okay, how do we retain people? How do we engage people? How do we get people to share the heartbeat of this ministry? And uh, that requires tighter, closer relationships. Well, Jim, you've had such a neat opportunity to uh, look at some of these these churches that are, are growing so quickly, and it's, it's exciting to see what the Lord is doing. As you look at uh, this issue and, and kind of the, the different trends that you've seen, what are some of the key takeaways that our listeners can, can learn from this issue and from the research that you guys have put together? It puts us in a unique situation because we're putting together and releasing an issue each year that's really related to a fairly narrow metric. How does worship attendance this year compare to worship attendance last year? But there are a few churches that have uh, elected not to participate in this study because it isn't uh, statistical enough. And so there are churches that are, that are measuring far more. You know, I mean, traditionally, it's how many people are sitting in the seats and, and how much are we getting out of their wallet, you know. But beyond dollars and attendance— nickels and noses, I think that there's a real desire to, to get a better sense of the progression individuals are making in their own uh, faith journey. So some churches are measuring the, the faithfulness of their volunteer group. You know, there have been uh, several efforts at putting together some sort of uh, measurement and, uh, and online tools for personal growth. It may not give an accurate measure of exactly where you are between you and, and God, that's kind of difficult to reduce to statistical analysis. Sure. But on the other hand, you may be able to plot whether you're progressing or not progressing. Anyway, I think that that's some of what we're seeing. So I think there continues to be value in just looking at the, the numbers, you know, the, the attendance numbers, but it's really driving our editorial agenda the realization that that's not an adequate measure. You're not a successful church just because you get more people. You can pervert the gospel and get more people because you're saying what people want to hear, not necessarily what they need. There are various ways to build numbers, but we're all concerned about how are we building the kingdom. So we're looking at the Outreach 100 uh, American megachurch issue as kind of a um, a way to leverage those deeper questions. We'll continue to help churches measure their, their attendance, but we really want to get beyond what are some of the, the, uh, the trends that are happening and um, what are churches doing to, to foster a greater sense of discipleship and, and movement toward a, a deeper understanding of what faith demands of us. 
how do you kind of take what you're learning there and kind of look to the future and kind of what do you see as the future of, of larger churches or, or kind of some of these faster growing congregations? Well, there's a lot of people, uh, a lot more uh, intelligent on this issue or any issue uh, and a lot closer to it. I, I will say that some of the things that we are hearing from people who are students of it is uh, the era of the of the megachurch is is not over. There there are those who feel, you know, it wasn't that many years ago that we thought two thousand was this huge church, and we kind of imagine there are certain plateaus that churches probably would not grow beyond. And yet now there are a number of of churches, ten thousand or, or larger. I thought it was interesting in the in-depth interview with Brian Tome. He kind of feels that over the next decade, there'll be a number of churches in this country that are larger than 100,000. And as he looks at it, and I've heard this from others too, uh, there's a sense that there's a certain consolidation happening. And, uh, you know, I think we went through a period of time where we were so concerned uh, about, you know, kind of creeping theological liberalism, and we that's still a concern, the, the purity of the gospel, huge concern. But the emphasis is slightly different. Don't you sense that there are churches looking for churches, other churches to partner with who share that kind of commitment to the historical truth of the gospel and yet are looking for ways to bridge barriers, to come alongside one another and do something more effective for the kingdom together than they could apart. And so that kind of era where maybe we were more characterized by our separatism from one another is giving way perhaps to a a sense of, yes, let's be really, really clear on the essentials of the gospel, but let's look for affiliations and, and partnerships. Let's understand that the essentials are essential and the non-essentials shouldn't be the things that divide us. And so I think that that whole um, spirit of we can do more effective outreach together than independent of one another is a unique thing happening in our time that we should really be excited about, I think. That's, that's one thing that comes to mind. Yeah, and that is exciting. And it reminds me of, of Jesus' own prayer in John 17, yes. you know, that the church be united. And I think there have been times where we kind of look at the church across town and think, oh, that's them. You know, they're doing it their way and we're doing it our way. But now we're seeing that those walls are kind of falling and it's like, let's work together. Like we're all under the headship of Christ and uh, working on the same team. So, so Jim, Brian, thanks so much for being with us. Great conversation on what God is doing as he grows his church. And uh, we're so thankful. Uh, again, this is all just, all, all of this is reason to be grateful to God for the way that he is working. So um, if you would like to get this issue or uh, get the list, you can go to outreach100.com. And uh, thanks again, guys, for being here. Thanks so Great. much, Andrew. Great to be here. Thanks, Andrew. Well, thanks again to Jim Long for joining us this week as our special guest on the Church Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes. Make sure to download the show notes for this episode at churchleaders.com forward slash podcast. The show notes always include resources mentioned in the show and some of the links to our guest top content on churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.